Colossians chapter 2, please. Colossians chapter 2. Boy, I've enjoyed the, uh, the testimonies and praises and you know, each of these, uh, the songs that we've sung, the special number that we just heard. And so, uh, but having said that, I, I do want to be mindful of the time, okay? And uh, my former pastor in Pennsylvania where I grew up, he used to say that we have a trap door on the pulpit, on the platform, and, uh, and if, if I were to go over time, he'd open up the trap door. And uh, the church where my dad grew up, uh, Calvary Baptist in Lansdale, many years ago, Dr. E. Robert Jordan, what he used to do with his, uh, the preacher boys that trained under him he would give them like a Wednesday night, and he would give them a, a certain time, time frame, maybe like 25 minutes or 30 minutes, and he would tell them, like, when it hits that time, you're done. That's it. And so he would sit on the front row where Brother Marco is, and when it hit that, that time, he literally closed his Bible and walked up. On, I mean, even if, it, even if the, the young preacher boy was in mid-sentence, Dr. Jordan walked right up and said, patted him on the shoulder and said, that's all. And, uh, and so I'm thankful that our pastor doesn't handle, handle things that way. But uh, I do want to be mindful of the time because I know that the pies are awaiting us. All right, The pies are waiting to be uh, devoured. So I do want to be mindful of the time. I, I heard a true story. Uh, a, a preacher very uh, recently at a conference, my brother, my brother was there and told me about this story, that each of the preachers in this conference, they were given uh, 30 minutes to to. to to preach their topic, and because it was, uh, it was there were several pe- preachers there, and um, and so each preacher was given thirty minutes, and the one preacher uh, he went about an hour and fifteen minutes, and so I don't think he's going to be invited back to that conference, and so uh, and I want to be invited back here next Wednesday and Sunday, so uh, I, I don't want to be lengthy this evening. So Colossians chapter two. Uh, and this is going to be, uh, as Pastor mentioned, this is going to be a message along the lines, the theme of Thanksgiving. And boy, good night. As, as children of God, we have so, so, so much to be thankful for. Of course, you already know this. We could spend all night here uh, going around just testifying over and over again of the blessings of our great and wonderful God. And I want to say that each of the messages along the theme of Thanksgiving uh, over the past several weeks, uh, each of them God has used to speak to me and to minister to my heart. I'm especially thankful for the message, messages today. I appreciate Brother Cable and his Sunday school message and then the message this morning in the morning service by Pastor Dietrich. And after the message this morning, there was part of me that thought this afternoon, what I want to do for my message tonight is just get that audio of this morning's message and somehow connect that in with the, the sound system here and just play that one over again. And that's one that it would be good for us to listen to over and over again. And I'm thankful for how the Lord challenged me from that message this morning. The only negative thing of the past several Thanksgiving messages was when, uh, when Pastor Creed, um, he spoke so harshly against uh, cranberry sauce out of a can. All right, uh, that really offended me. Okay, uh, we live in a day and age where people are easily offended, and I was offended by that. All right, and so uh, is there anybody willing to run through a brick wall with me uh, for the cause of cranberry sauce out of a can? All right, I, I see that hand. I see that hand. All right, several hands. All right, all right. Well, where where was the disgruntlement when he mentioned that? Then all right. So. Uh, 
I don't know what you just said, but don't repeat it, okay? <laughs> because knowing how good of a cook you are, you're probably anti-cranberry sauce out of the can, all right? All right, let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to notice verses 1 through 7. Colossians chapter 2, notice what the Bible says in verse 1. The Bible says, for I would, and Paul is speaking here, and by the way, before I continue reading, I'll just mention this, that uh, Paul, he wrote this letter, this epistle to the church uh, in Colossae. He had never even been there yet, and uh, the church body of believers there had, hadn't seen him in person, face to face yet, and uh, Paul was in his first uh, Roman imprisonment. And so Colossians is what we would call, refer to as one of the prison epistles along with Ephesians and Philippians. And so I'm just amazed when I read these epistles of the Apostle Paul and the things that, of course, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the things that he pens in these letters while he's in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always challenged and moved uh, by his joy and his enthusiasm and his encouragement and the things that he's trying to comfort others in while they're not in jail. And I am, I'm moved by that. And if we think about this church family, we, have, we, we take so much for granted. And there's things on a daily basis where we ought to be so thankful for to our great and mighty God. We just, I know I'm guilty of it, take so much for granted and so Paul, he wrote this letter, this epistle to the church at Colossae from jail. And we're going to hear just uh, the first seven verses from chapter 2 here this evening. Let's look back there again, Colossians 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom, that's Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And the title of the message this evening comes from that closing phrase of verse 7, just summarizing it with this title, abounding with thanksgiving. Let's pray together. Our Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we've taken some time tonight to sing praises of thanksgiving, Lord, because you are worthy of our praise. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. There's nothing too hard for you. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for his death on the cross and his shed blood. Lord, we thank you for that he was buried and that on the third and glorious day he arose from the dead. We thank you, Lord, that he is seated now at your right hand. And we thank you that he's coming back. And Lord, we are awaiting the sound of the trumpet. Lord, I pray that we'll be found faithful. We've been rooted in you, Lord, as blood-bought, redeemed children of you. 
Lord, I pray that you would continue to build us up, Lord. Lord, that we would be established in the faith. And Lord, I pray that we would be people daily, regularly, throughout the day, each and every day, abounding with thanksgiving. We pray this in the name that is above every name. In the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When it comes to Thanksgiving, this is not serious what I'm about to tell you right now, okay? When it comes to Thanksgiving, Americans like to begin grazing uh, long before the big meal begins, all right? The average person consumes about 10% of their Thanksgiving calories before the turkey is ever served. If you're in the habit of counting your calories, let me suggest that Thursday is probably not a good day to do that, okay? We have so much to be thankful for. As I look at this passage of scripture, and I wanted to spend some time uh, giving a little bit of the background in verses 1, 1 through verse 6, and I'm going to try to do that as briefly as I possibly can, so let's go ahead and jump right into that. Notice back in verse 1, as the scripture says, Paul says these words here, for I would that ye, and the ye here is obviously the born-again believers that are there in Colossae which is in Asia, and Paul says to them, I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul is letting these born-again believers know about this struggle that he has, about this conflict that he has. He wants to be with them. He wants to be by their side. He wants to encourage them. He wants to comfort them. Why? Because he, he has heard about the comfort that they're in need of because of certain heresies that were bombarding that church, people, uh, false teachers that were trying to creep into the church. And so Paul's wanting to comfort them, and we see that uh, in the next verse. Before I mention that, um, let me just mention that Paul knew that these believers, they were in need of encouragement. Paul, he had not been at Colossae yet, and so he's wanting to let them know that he He's heard of their testimony. We see that later on in the passage. And he wants to let them know that that he loves them, he cares about them, and he wants them to know to stand fast in the faith. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. And here in verse 2, we're going to see one of the purposes of why Paul is writing this letter uh, to the church here at Colossae. He says in verse 2, that their hearts might be, what's the word there? Comforted. And Paul here, we notice this, with the heart of a shepherd... He wants these dear believers to be helped, to be strengthened, to be comforted. And, and I want to praise God. I want to, I want to thank the Lord for our pastor who exemplifies this attribute of the Holy Spirit of God uh, in comforting others that are in need. And I think about some of the recent uh, challenges that our family faced. And I'm thankful for the great comfort that our family received from our pastor and from our church family. I'm thankful for the phone calls that we received and the text messages that we received. And I appreciate Pastor helping me with letters being sent out to supporting churches. And I appreciate Pastor and Judson uh, driving the, the moving truck up to Philadelphia and helping us with that move and getting us back down here. And uh, the church family allowing us to stay in the mission house. This has comforted our family. And this is what Paul is wanting to do for uh, these believers who were in great need. They needed some comfort. Again, in verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted. 
Notice this, being knit together in, what's the word? In love. Being knit together in love. I want to ask us this evening to do, or to allow God to do a self or a heart diagnosis over our spiritual lives tonight. And where we ask ourselves the question, is there any sin in my life? Is there any sin in my life? Is there any sin in your life that is keeping our church family from being knit together in love? Is there any sin, anything that I'm harboring in my Christian life that's hindering revival in our church family, that's hindering our church family from being unified, that's hindering our church family from being knit together in love? Paul says that during that verse there, in verse number two, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe, uh, maybe there's some ladies in here that enjoy knitting, okay? And I, I think back to a story in Philadelphia. We had, uh, we had, obviously, when you live in Philadelphia in row homes, you have a lot of neighbors, a lot of neighbors who are very close to you. And uh, this, this isn't the story that I'm going to go into details, but you live so close to your neighbors that um, when there's a pound at the door and you hear a window shattering and you hear, open the door, it's the, pol- uh, the police, uh, you think it, when it's one of your neighbors, you actually think it's your own house, okay? You, you live that close to your neighbors. One of our neighbors right across the street from us on St. Vincent Street, she was a really grumpy neighbor, really grouchy. And always gave the cold shoulder, uh, never would say hello back, never would wave, nothing like that. And so I'm like, what happened to the city of brotherly love, all right? There's the city of brotherly shove, okay, that you've heard maybe, maybe others talk about, okay? And so when it came to Christmas time that year after we are getting to know all of our neighbors and the Christmas season rolled around, and our family and in our, in our, the, the church plant in Philly, we, during the Christmas season, we'd take a couple different uh, evenings and we would go Christmas caroling. And so we would always go to our neighbor's house too. And Katie would bake homemade cookies and we would have some church information, some church gospel tracts and things like that. And I remember not really wanting to go to her house. I'm like, she's just going to slam the door in our face. You know, and so I, I was being kind of uh, my own grouch about it. But anyway, we went to her house. We, we knocked on the door and I'm, and I'm putting the kids up front like, you know, that, that you know, and uh, putting, you know, putting my wife's smiling face out front and, you know, maybe it's just me, you know, maybe she just doesn't want to wave to me. Maybe she just doesn't want to say hello to me. But anyway, we knocked on the door. I'm just like, I don't want this to go bad. So we're just going to start singing now before, before she opens the door. You know, how bad can this be? Right. So we just start singing joy to the world, you know, and on and on it goes. And she opens the door and just a, she rears back. I'm just kidding. No, okay, all right. She, I had some of you there for a minute. She just had a bright smile come across her face. And she just began to cry. And you know what later on she gave us, that neighbor gave us? She knitted together. Am I saying that right? She knit together. She knitted. Is that the word? She knitted together, knit together this beautiful blanket for our family, you know, out of love, out of care, you know, and, and we began to learn more about this neighbor, some of the difficulties and some of the challenging things that she faced and she's gone through. And, and you know what, she just probably didn't think many people cared about her. I'm thankful that there is one that, that we know cares for all people, a helper to the helpless and a, 
a father to the fatherless. And you know what? That lady, that neighbor, she had knit together that blanket for our family. And I'm just being, trans- I'm just being honest with you. I don't know that, that I really loved this lady, this neighbor, before that happened. But I tell you what, that, that knit our love together. Just from her, from that gift and the expression and, and how she handled that whole situation. And so uh, we love that blanket. And it means a lot to us. And I, and, uh, I love it, but my, even though my birthday is coming up in December, uh, you don't need to knit anything for me, just so you know, okay? <laughs> so in verse 2 here, Paul wants to see this church knit together in love. But then also knit together in something else. Notice what it says in verse 2. All riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Paul had a a great desire that this church would have all the spiritual riches that comes from an assured conviction, a true understanding, a secure knowledge of the mystery of God, the mystery of God, which is Jesus Christ himself, and all that is in Jesus Christ. It says it in verse 3. Notice verse 3. In whom, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we are knit together in love and biblical conviction, we'll be more thankful for one another. More thankful for each other. Paul knew that a divided heart is more susceptible to embrace wrong doctrine. So he prays that this church would be knit together in love. And that they would be knit together in biblical doctrine and conviction so that they would be better equipped to stand against the attacks of false doctrine that was trying to creep its way into the church. And church family, we're not going to find all the right kind of wisdom and all the right kind of knowledge that we need by Googling it or asking Alexa or asking Siri or finding it on social media or on all the different news channels. But the wisdom and knowledge that we need comes from the Lord It comes all in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, the scripture says, And this I say, Paul tells them, This I say, lest any man should beguile you. When someone is beguiled, they are being deceived. He says, Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Enticing words are their well-crafted, smooth, persuasive words. All the wisdom and all the knowledge we need is found in Christ and not found in the deceitful and crafty, enticing, manipulative words of man. It's found in Christ, as the Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know the verse in Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Notice back in our text in verse 5 of Colossians 2, where Paul says, For though I be absent in the flesh, remember he's, he's not presently with them at this moment. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. And maybe, you, maybe you're going to say that to a loved one uh, this upcoming Thursday, maybe uh, by way of a phone call or a text message, you're not going to be able to in person be with them on Thanksgiving Day. But maybe you'll say those words to that family member. Hey, I'm there with you in, I'm there with you in spirit. 
Paul continues in verse 5 saying that he is what? Joying and beholding your order. Paul sees that they're maintaining a good testimony. Even throughout the challenges that they were facing with those, the heresies that were creeping into the church. And he says at the end of verse 5, he's encouraged by this, and the steadfastness of your faith. They hadn't lost their solid stand for the word of God and the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 6, where Paul says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Obviously, a a local New Testament church is made up of born-again baptized believers, and such would be the case here at the church in Colossae. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, Paul says next, So walk ye in him. Walk in him, which means this, that's following the Lord. Being committed to Christ in our following. uh, Reflecting his character in the things that we do and in the things that we say. It's pointing others to the Lord Jesus Christ. I find that if I'm not being a thankful child of God, if my gratitude stinks, if, if my thanksgiving gauge is on empty, well, guess what I find true about my life? I'm not walking with the Lord as I ought to be. And so many people want the ticket to heaven, but they don't want the daily commitment of walking with the Lord on a daily basis. You'll find that truly thankful people have a walk with God, a consistent walk with God. Because when you're walking with the Lord, and that's when you're faithfully following him, being a student of the word, drawing nigh unto him, and he is drawing nigh unto you in return, we're consistent in our prayer life and our communion with God throughout the day. We're faithful to the Lord's house. This idea of walking with him. When we're walking with the Lord like that, we can't help but be grateful, be thankful for all that he's done for us. We're full of thanksgiving. This idea of abounding therein with thanksgiving. It's an overflow. It's just flowing from us, this thanksgiving. Notice what the Bible says in verse 7. I was going to read some verses from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. One of the sins that are mentioned as we think about in the last days perilous times shall come, those difficult, those troublesome times coming. One of those sins that's mentioned there is, you know it, say it, unthankful. And Paul, and the Bible says at the end of verse number 5, from such turn away, hey, we ought not to be uh, making close associations with people that are unthankful the bible says here in verse 7 which we'll spend just the remainder of our time here this evening for just a few more moments verse 7 rooted and built up in him i'm going to connect that with verse 6 again because it flows better together verse 6 as ye have therefore received christ jesus the lord so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught Crossroads Baptist Church, that's what we have been taught. Amen? And then at the end there of end of verse 7, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding this continually, this continual overflow of thanksgiving. Because we've been rooted in Christ, built up in him, established in the faith. There are three terms that Paul uses here in verse 7 that we want to spend the rest of our time looking at here this evening. He uses an agricultural term. He uses a construction or a a carpenter's term. And he uses a legal term. And we want to look at these these, uh, three different words 
in the remaining time that we have together this evening. And so three quick points here before we conclude tonight. We abound with thanksgiving when we, number one, if you're jotting things down, we abound with thanksgiving when we, number one, remember we are rooted in Christ. We abound that overflow, pouring out that thanksgiving. We abound with thanksgiving when we, number one, remember we are rooted in Christ. What's the first word of verse number seven? Rooted. Think of how a tree's roots go deep into the soil. And it nourishes that tree from the ground. Just as a tree roots itself in the ground, God causes us to take root in Christ the moment that we got saved. The tense of the word rooted there in verse 7 carries the idea that they, those Colossian believers, they were rooted in Christ in the past, which was the moment they got saved, with the result that they still remain rooted in him at this present moment. Once we personally come to know Christ as Savior, God roots us in him forever. Aren't you thankful for the eternal security that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm thankful for a couple different men here, several different men that have offered work for me. And since our family moved back down to North Carolina... And I've been doing uh, some work. I've been, I'll say I've been doing a lot of work for Mr. Jesse Lukens. I'm not sure that he would call that work. But I've been uh, trying to do the, the best of my ability. And uh, we've been working, doing some work at one of the rental houses. Uh, and uh, in the backyard of the one rental house, uh, they've taken out a whole bunch of trees. And, and we're trying to take out this one really pretty massive tree with those roots going super deep down into the ground. And I would say that, uh, that we were trying to get that tree out. Mainly Mr. Jesse and the boys were trying to get that tree out. Uh, I was just trying to make sure I didn't stub my toe on anything or break a nail or have myself seriously injured in any way. And so, but Mr. Jesse, of course, he has uh, that Kubota uh, excavator out there that he's using to, to get that tree out of the ground. And it took several hours to get this massive tree out. Because those roots were so uh, deep into the soil, so down deep into the ground, it took uh, several hours to, to get that tree out, to get those roots broken up, to get that tree out of the ground. And I had already taken my lunch break, and I took probably eight or nine 15s, and so, but they eventually got that tree uh, out of the ground. And I tell you what, as I think about that and the amount of time and the effort that that took, uh, there is no Kubota, there is no Kubota excavator, and there is no John Deere or Caterpillar excavator that can break the root of when we as a child of God have been rooted in Christ. Amen. Hey, no matter the amount of sin or no matter the amount of a dark past that you may have, or no matter how strong and relentless Satan may appear, when you are rooted in Christ, that root cannot be broken. And that's something to give thanksgiving for today and every day of our lives that we have been rooted in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, Jesus said. And then in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 22, the Bible says, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest or the down payment of the Spirit in our hearts. When we remember that we are rooted in Christ, and that root in Christ can never be broken, that we are eternally secure, having our sins forgiven, washed in the blood of the Lamb, that's a sure cause to abound with thanksgiving. Overflowing with thanksgiving that Jesus would come down to this sin-cursed earth, live a sinless and a perfect life, and go to an old rugged cross. They would whip him with a cat of nine tails. They would scourge him. They would beat him. They would pummel him in the face. They would spit in his face. They would, they would beat onto his head the, the crown of thorns. They would put nails in his hands and feet. They would nail him to that old rugged cross, and they would hoist that cross up into the air and drop it down into the hole in the ground, and Jesus would suffer and die there for my sins. That, that was my crown of thorns that I should have been wearing, and those nails should have gone through my hands and feet, and that whip should have gone across my back, and that was my crucifixion that I deserved. Jesus didn't deserve it. He was the sinless substitute, the sinless, spotless, perfect Lamb of God. But he went to the old rugged cross willingly, humbly, took my place, paid for the, my sins, the sins of the whole world. And I'm thankful that he cried out, it is finished. Amen. Amen. The price for the sin of all mankind was paid in full on the cross. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb because he knew that he wouldn't be there very long. He told us that he wouldn't be there very long either. I'm thankful for the third and glorious day up from the grave that he arose, conquering sin, hell, and the grave. And I'm thankful that our Savior, he lives today. And that should rise up in, rise up in us the desire to abound over an overflow of thanksgiving, that we are rooted in this Christ, the only Christ, the Messiah, the spotless Lamb of God, rooted in Christ. We abound with thanksgiving when we are... When we remember that we are rooted in Christ, number two, we abound with thanksgiving when we remember that we are built up in Christ. It's also here in verse 7. Would you notice it, please? Rooted and built up in him, the Bible says. This, is, this building metaphor speaks of the building of our life that is constructed by Jesus Christ. He's the great carpenter, isn't he? Just as Christ alone saved us from our sin, Jesus Christ can build up our life into exactly what he desires to make of our life. Amen. If we are willing to surrender to his plan, to surrender to his blueprint for our life, to be built up in Christ literally means to, to build upon a solid foundation. The solid foundation has already been settled We've been rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus, he is our sure foundation. The Bible says in Matthew 7 and verse 24 where Jesus is speaking and he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a, a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I want to ask you tonight, church family, is your life built upon the rock? There is only, there is only one rock, and his name is not Dwayne Johnson. The name of the rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know who Dwayne Johnson is, you're better off. Praise God for the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people work hard at building their life with the goal of fame and fortune, but they are building on a worthless life philosophy. As a result, they crumble when storms come. On Christ the solid rock we stand. Amen. All other ground is sinking sand. When you look up the words build up, it says something increased in height, something that is being increased in height. Since you've been saved since the day that Christ saved you look back at your Christian life and look up look at how Jesus has built up your life build up your life with so many blessings build up your life with so many additions so much increase in your life and when we look at that increase and all the blessings that God has done in our life and, and aren't you glad that God uses many different people and many different circumstances to build up his children this is another sure cause to abound with thanksgiving. And the last final point I want to give us this evening is number three right here in the text of verse seven. We abound with thanksgiving when we remember we are established in the faith of Christ. Notice verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. The word established or established has the idea it's this legal term of making firm or making sure, something dependable, something reliable. And we could even say, use this phrase, it's something tried and true. You may have gone through some difficult afflictions in your life as a child of God, some severe heartache, some unsettling trials in your life, but you've remained faithful to the Lord. That's being established in the faith. No matter the circumstances, being tried and true. Keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who never leaves us and never forsakes us. Paul wanted these believers to know that when others look at them and are around them, there ought to be a clear difference. That's a man of faith or a woman of faith. Others ought to know that we are rooted in Christ. Others ought to know that our life is being built up by the Lord Jesus Christ. Others ought to know that we are established in the faith, reliable, dependable, faithful Christians, something sure that we can be thankful for, being rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, and established in the faith of Christ. I, I close with this simple illustration. It was in the early 1900s. There was a police officer, and he was walking his beat in Chicago when he observed a man standing by a little old rescue mission. And this, this gentleman standing by the rescue mission, he had taken off his hat and he had his head bowed and he was standing up beside that building and the officer thought it looked kind of odd, looked pretty strange and he assumed that the man was uh, either drunk or the man was sick and so he approached the man and he walked up alongside of him and the man's eyes were still closed and he, he nudged the man and he asked him, hey, hey, are you all right? Hey, are, are you sick? Are you okay? And and the man opened his eyes and he said, he said, I'm fine. I'm just fine. I'm not sick at all. My name is Billy Sunday. I'm a preacher. 
And right here in this rescue mission is where Jesus Christ saved my soul. It's where I was converted. And every time I'm back in the area, I always come by uh, this little old rescue mission and stop by and offer the Lord a prayer of thanksgiving for where the Lord saved my soul. That preacher, Evangelist Billy Sunday, was used mightily of the Lord to see thousands and thousands of people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But yet every time he passed by that little old rescue mission, he would pause to thank God for the place where he was rooted in Christ, the place where the Lord began to to build him up in his walk with the Lord, the place where he became established in the faith. Church family, as I close, we cannot thank the Lord enough for all that he's done for us in our Christian life. His mercy, as we heard from Brother Capel this morning, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth unto all generations. Church family, tonight, do you want to abound? Do you want to overflow with thanksgiving in your Christian life? Of course we do. Of course we would all echo that for sure. There are many ways to do that. But right here in Colossians chapter 2, we can abound with thanksgiving when we remember that we are rooted in Christ. Thank the Lord for so great a salvation that we have that's in Christ alone. We can abound with thanksgiving when we remember that we are built up in Christ. Look back since the day that Christ saved your soul and look at the blessings that God has poured out into your life. Look at the increase in your life and the additions in your life that the Lord has put there and thank him for that tonight. And And thank the Lord that we are established in the faith. And no matter different hardships that any child of God may face, we can keep our eyes on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. I would imagine, church family, that when we get to heaven, one of the very first things that would come out of our mouth when we see Jesus face to face Maybe it's not even face to face. Maybe it's just prostrate on our face before the Lord, bowing before the Lord. But one of the first things that would flow out of our mouth would be, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for building up my Christian life. Thank you, Lord, for establishing me in the faith, Lord. And I'm only here because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for the, the time in your word this evening. And thank you for the attendiveness of the church family, friends and family here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of testimonies and the wonderful songs that, that we have ushered up to the throne to worship you, Lord. And we thank you for your word, your inspired, uh, infallible, inerrant, all authoritative word. I know that, that my word isn't much, but I thank you that your word is everything. We can bank on your word. So we thank you for the time together this evening. And I pray that you'll bless in the conclusion of this service and in the continual fellowship to come. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.